a lot of us here this morning. It's great to see you this morning. My name is Bill Walker, and I want to wish you a very, very happy new year. I don't know what 2017 held. I think Courtney said it well. Uh, but 2018 can be a fresh start, a new beginning, and you can know and, and walk with the Lord in newer ways than you ever have before. There's no reason why 2018 can't be the best year of your life. And I'm looking forward to that. I don't know about you. Well, Today is a very, very special day because we are doing something called an elder commissioning service. Now, this is the first time really in the life of this church where we have done something like this. Up to this point, we've had a different form of church government over the last 30 plus years, and it has served the church well. What we have realized is it's not so much the polity of the church as the quality of the people that are in it. But we feel like it was time for us to become a little bit more aligned with Scripture, and that means that it was time to move toward an elder deacon format of church government. Uh, back last month, y'all voted in the uh, business meeting, uh, our yearly business meeting, to affirm elders as the ruling body here at Grace Church. And so today is really about commissioning them. Now, commissioning service is simply this. It is a public identification and setting apart of some people for God's particular mission. And so today, that's really what we're going to be doing. We're going to take some time. We're going to hear an admonition from God's word. We're going to take some time to pray over the men that you have voted in as leaders here at the church. Let me just identify them. Uh, there is Matt Duransky. Hello, Matt. Raise your hand. Say, hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Over here is Jack Sup. Say, hi, Jack. Hi, Jack. Hi, Jack. Okay, there you go. You'll have a chance to see me again. Uh, Jack's wife, Diane. Jack and Diane. That sounds like a song, but I won't go there. <clears throat> Uh, it's not well today. I think she has the flu, so we're glad that you left her home, as bad as that sounds. Uh, also, Stephen Salvis. Wave your hand, Steve. Hi, Steve. And then Dr. Reverend Jerry Small. Praise God for you. I thank God for these men, and we're going to be today commissioning them and praying over them, presenting them with uh, a little item as a, as a memento of this uh, occasion and uh, today's also going to include uh, the Lord's table, and uh, we're also going to have a baptism. Hubba hubba. I don't know that you can get any more in the morning than what we're trying to do. And so we, the goal is to try and be as timely as we can. So I want to begin by encouraging you to take your Bible with me. You're going you're to need your Bible this morning. If you don't have one with you, I ask that you simply reach under the chair in front of you, grab that black book. That black book is one of our worship Bibles. And I want to invite you to join me today in Psalm 23. Psalm 23, the beloved Psalm 23. If you're going to grab one of those black worship Bibles, that is page 458. 458. Now, we're looking at Psalm 23 together because as many of you know, uh, the metaphor of a shepherd and sheep is how God often referred to his relationship with and his care for his people. And so what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to read this together, have a word of prayer, and then I just want to extract out of this beautiful psalm a few thoughts about what it means to be an under-shepherd. You see, there's only one true shepherd of the sheep. There's only one true shepherd of the flock of God, and that's Jesus Christ. He is called the chief shepherd. 
That means everyone else who uh, takes on this role of elder uh, or a shepherd is actually an under-shepherd. And our primary role, and if you hear this, you would have heard the message, so you can go to sleep from now forward. No, I'm just, the primary role of an under-shepherd is simply to point you to the shepherd. All along your path of life, the goal is that we constantly point you to him. Psalm 23, if you have it with you, uh, let me read this very familiar portion of Scripture. It's beautiful. It is a psalm of David, and it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. Beautiful. Therefore, I shall not want. In fact, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He, my shepherd, restores my soul. He, my shepherd, leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? For you're with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In fact, you prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 6 is the last. Surely, Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord, who is my shepherd forever. Reading just those beautiful words together, let me pray for us, and then let's kind of launch into what we can draw out of it as we talk about elders and shepherds and under-shepherds today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the worship that we've already been able to express to you. You are so worthy, simply in your being, because of who you are. You are worthy. And then above that, what you have done for us is astounding. And we worship you because of that too. And what you're going to do through us and for us and ultimately in us, we rejoice and praise you. Today, I ask that as we look into your word, that your spirit, who wrote it through the author many years ago, would reveal it to us today. Lord, speak. Help us to understand your word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, and for his sake and his glory. And all God's people said, amen. So again, what we're going to be doing this morning, quick admonition from God's word. I'm going to invite these elder candidates up here, and we're actually going to pray over them. All of us are going to pray. All of us are going to get up and come forward and pray over them. That's going to be awesome. It wasn't the first service. And then we're going to make a presentation. Then we will have the Lord's table, and then we will have a baptism. I just, I'm just, wow. What a great way to begin the year, eh? It's awesome. Awesome. Okay, so Psalm 23, uh, as it is laid out before us, is a psalm of David, as it says here. And that's actually not only just as a heading, but it's actually in the original language. So it's actually part of this psalm. And we know that David, uh, King David, was the sweet psalmist of Israel who grew up as a shepherd over his father's flock and sheep. And what David does is he uses this beautiful analogy to describe his relationship with God. And he says this, The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that with me? The Lord is my shepherd. Isn't that beautiful? One more time. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, 
It is the responsibility and the role of us as elders and under shepherds before the chief shepherd in your life is to know him, is to love him. I mean to love him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength, that you would desire him, that he would become the highest good and treasure in your life, that you would uh, just uh, affix your heart to him and that you want to honor him and serve him with all of your lives, that the Lord would be my shepherd. That's the role that we play as elders in your lives, is to help you know and experience the Lord in a very personal, very beautiful, very, very wonderful way. Now, it's incumbent upon us to do this. We have no choice but to do this, because according to the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, he said this as he closed out his writing of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 13, verse 17. I'm just going to read it, let you know what it says and why. It says this, obey your leaders. Wow, where did that come from? Is this military or what's this? Well, I don't get this. No, no, no. He's talking about the church leaders, your elders. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they are keeping watch over your soul. That's a solemn thing that God has committed to myself and to Dennis as elders and these four men that you've already voted in as elders. Our responsibility in your life is your soul before the Lord. And ultimately, it goes on to say this, as those who will have to give an account before the chief shepherd someday. And so therefore, let them do it with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So it is our responsibility as under-shepherds to help you nurture your heart's relationship with the chief shepherd, that you would know him, that you would love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, that you would treasure him in your life because we keep watch over your souls. And anything less is not what it means to know him. You know, we live in a day and age today where <clears throat> there are many gospels. There are many good news out there. And the problem is a lot of these forms of good news are really not good. They're actually bad news. In fact, Timothy, Paul was warning Timothy. In Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, he said this, Timothy... The time is coming where people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and they'll wander off into myths. Now this was back in that day. How much more is that true in our day? There are all kinds of people out there that will tell you everything you want to hear but won't necessarily tell you the truth. And the truth is this. There's no other way to know God than through Jesus Christ, his son, by repentance and faith. There's no other way. You know, we have people today that say, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't mess stuff up. Don't mix things up. Don't, don't go like that. You see, it's simple. You just believe. Believe and receive. You go on your way. You're good to go. You've got eternal security. You'll meet God one day. Can I say? That's a lie. 
That's a lie. And yet too many people have eternal security, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because they've assumed it's about them. Rather than being about him. You see, most of the good news is today are man-centered. To win a hearing. Rather than being God-centered about what he has to say. It's by repentance and faith. Repentance is turning from your life and embracing him as your life. That's what the Bible says is the good news, the gospel. And then he gives you eternal life at that point. So there are all kinds of good news. There's another one. It's, it's this whole health, wealth, and prosperity movement. God wants you healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. Because then it shows that you're his. And that will impress people. That they want to be his too. But that's not biblical. That's not true. That's what people want to hear. And people come in large droves to, to it, it buy into that. But it's not what the scriptures say. And so it's a come, incumbent upon us as elders, the under-shepherds over the flock of God, to make sure that we keep a pure biblical gospel. One that can actually redeem souls and change lives. Not merely go along with the crowd and tell you what you want to hear. In fact, Paul said in Acts chapter 20, to the, to the elders who were at a church called Ephesus back in those days. He said this, hey guys, elders, I want you to pay careful attention to yourselves and to all of the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he, Jesus Christ, has obtained through his blood. He said this, I want you to know that after my departure, this is Paul telling them that I'm going to leave you here in Ephesus and I probably will never see you again, but I want you to know when I leave, fierce wolves will come in among you and they will not spare the flock and from your, among your own selves even men will arise speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after themselves. Twisted things refer to corrupt things, things that are polluted, things that are not fully true. And yet it's incumbent upon us before the Lord to keep an absolutely clear gospel message, one that ultimately makes Christ the center of it all through repentance and faith in him. And all God's people said, oh my gosh, please, please say amen. That means God's truth, amen. That's a responsibility of us to make sure the doctrine here remains true to the teachings of Scripture and not merely coming alongside people telling them what they want to hear so that they would join us and go with us wherever that goes. <clears throat> Jesus put it this way concerning what it means to follow him, to know him. Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower... You must turn from your selfish ways. That's repentance. It's not about your life, it's about him. And take up your cross, which is an instrument of death, which means death to self, and now follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life, that's repentance and faith. For my sake, you will save it. And so this is the teaching of Scripture over and over again. God calls us to himself in repentance and faith, and we are to know him and love him and seek to honor him with our lives. So that's one of the admonitions of Scripture that we as under-shepherds are to make sure is true in the life of his church. I exhort the elders among you, shepherd the flock of God. And one of the ways we do that is to make sure that we keep a clear gospel message. 
Now, David goes on in the remainder of Psalm 23 to extol the virtues of his shepherd, and he honors him as one who meets his needs. Notice this. The Lord is my shepherd. What does he say? One more time. The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, I shall not want. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Uh, actually, the, that's the ESV, the version that's in your uh, hands from the chairs, and, and many of you have it. The uh, <clears throat> Christian Standard Bible says this, The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. I like that one. But this is my favorite one. It is, uh, the New Living Translation puts it this way, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Isn't that sweet? It's the shepherd. I got it. I got him. That's all I need. He's sufficient. He's complete. He's fulfilling. He's everything I need. And so that's what David realized. And so he admonished people that, you know, he's all I want. I have no wants. And so, too, we honor Jesus by trusting him to meet our needs. And again, as Jesus is under shepherd, it's our responsibility before the Lord, the chief shepherd, to help you find your identity and your satisfaction in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. You know, uh, we, we have a tendency by nature of our fallen heart to, to connect ourselves to things, to find identity in things, to seek satisfaction in things, whether it be career, our looks, our intellect, our education, our position, our prosperity, Whatever it may be, or sometimes we get off into areas for kicks and comforts like sports or buying things, alcohol, food, smoking, partying, pet sins, whatever it is. We, we like to adhere to those things. They adhere to us, almost like magnets. And none of them satisfy. None of them ultimately are fulfilling. In fact, they will leave us disappointed and frustrated and angry and empty. By the way, that's true of relationships in our lives. You know, uh, if you're finding your identity in being a spouse, or you're finding your satisfaction in your children, your grandchildren, your friends, that will ultimately leave you disappointed, frustrated, angry, and empty. That's because there is only one. There is only one that you will find true identity and satisfaction in life with, and his name is Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd. Jesus said this in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He said, I have come. I have come, my purpose, if you will, is to give you a rich and satisfying life. And then he goes right on to say this, because I'm the good shepherd. That's what I do. I am the shepherd of the sheep. I'm the one who fulfills you. I'm the one who meets your needs. I'm the one that your identity should be tied to. As Jesus is under shepherds, elders, it's our responsibility to model this. That Jesus is our identity. That Jesus is our satisfaction in this life. And to come alongside you and encourage you and help you and train you and disciple you. To find in him your all in all. Psalm 62 in verse 8 says this. Trust in him at all times. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. He is ultimately faithful. He is ultimately trustworthy. He is ultimately secure. 
That's because he is the Lord, Yahweh, the covenant faithful one. So Psalm 62 and verse 8 says, trust him. Psalm 118 and verse 8 says this, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people, amen? If you've lived enough life, you know that to be true. That no matter who it is in your life, no matter how close the relationship may be, that if you put your trust in someone else, they will ultimately fail you, ultimately disappoint you, maybe leave you angry, and maybe even a little embittered. You are never supposed to put your trust in people. Did he say that? Yeah, yeah. You see, the Bible says that we are to forgive all people. We are to be forgiving. Why? Because we've been forgiven. Thus, as we have been forgiven, we are to forgive. The Bible's very clear about that. We're also told to love all people. And that's even to self-sacrifice. We are to love people. We're to love our, our mates. We're to love our kids. We're to love our neighbor. We're, to love, we're supposed to love our enemies. But the Bible never says trust people. And there's a reason. Because people are not trustworthy. In fact, oh, let me just pause here. Um, these men are godly men. These men are good men. These men love the Lord. But don't ever put your trust in them. You see, our goal is this. As under shepherds before the Lord is simply this. He said, follow me as I follow the Lord and trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Because I'll fail you. I'll disappoint you. Some of you know that by experience. I'll make you angry. Some of you know that by experience. Don't trust me. But trust him. And my role in your life is to point you to him, not me. And so too with the other elders. So we're told that we are to trust the Lord, that we're not supposed to trust people. And the Bible actually goes on to say that we're not even supposed to trust ourselves. Did you know that? That makes sense if, if it's true that we are depraved, the hardest deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really understands it? In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord at all times with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In other words, you shouldn't even trust yourself. But in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. So the role of an under-shepherd is to point you to the chief shepherd. He is the by repentance and faith, to know him, to love him, to serve him, to honor him with your life, and to trust him to meet all your needs because we will ultimately prove to be not trustworthy in the long run. Then uh, David goes on. Not only does he honor his shepherd as the one who meets all his needs, but also as one who gives him rest. He goes on to say this. And he makes me like to lie down in what? Yeah, green pastures. And he leads me beside the what? And then what happens? Oh, you didn't say it right. It's got to have more emphasis. And he restores my soul. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't it sound good to have a restored soul? Oh my gosh. We honor Jesus by trusting him to give us rest. And as Jesus is under shepherds, it is our responsibility before the Lord, the chief shepherd, to help you experience the rest and the freedom from anxiety that ruminating on Jesus through his word brings. So how do you like my friends here? Aren't they cute? Actually, they're a little ugly, but that's okay. Sheep are, are not ultimately cute creatures. They're a little nasty and dirty and yeah, whatever. So, so here they are grazing out here on this field. What, what do you think would happen if, if I went to this field while they're doing this grazing and I were to do something like this? 
Boom! How do you think they would respond? I think they would immediately stop grazing. They would turn their heads. They would be frozen in place. Their eyes would get big. And they would go, where's the shepherd? Where's the shepherd? Where's the shepherd? Where's the shepherd? What's that noise? What's going on? Help! Sheep by nature are fearful creatures. They, they, are, they, they, don't, they don't have any natural defense from, from wolves or bears or lions or whatever. They, 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 they are fearful creatures by nature. And I think sometimes that's why God likens his people to sheep. Because in a lot of ways, we are fearful people. Um, we get anxious and upset so often in scary moments of life. And yet, the Lord is my shepherd, and he is the one who makes me lie down in green pastures. He is the one that leads me beside the still waters. It's him that restores my soul. You know, right now, the sheep are grazing. Uh, sheep are ruminant animals. That means they ruminate, which means, like a cow, they have four stomachs. And so what they'll do is they will graze and graze, and they will eat and eat, and... Uh, then when their stomach is full, they will find a quiet place in a green pasture and they will lie down. Sheep don't graze while lying down. They don't feed. They ruminate. And so lying down in a secure, safe place, uh, they'll bring up what they had grazed and they will chew it over, ruminate on it, and then swallow it again. And it's that process of rumination that ultimately causes the nutrients from what they have grazed to ultimately make it into their lives. And so they count on the shepherd being present to bring security so they can actually lay down in peace so that they can actually grow and enjoy life. And in a very real way, it's our responsibility in your life as elders, under shepherds of the chief shepherd, to come alongside you and to encourage you to meditate on Christ, to feast on his word, to, to drink of the water of the word in your life, that you might experience through him a restored soul. We're so anxious. We're so upset. We're so easily bothered and worried. And yet it's him. He is the one who will restore my soul but that comes as we graze in the word of God and drink from its deep pools. That's how you get that restored soul. Again, it's our responsibility in your life to help you be nurtured like that through the word. With that in mind, we are about to embark on a new series starting next week. And uh, <clears throat> this new series uh, involves, uh, Dennis has already uh, alluded to it, it's uh, without faith it's impossible to please God. It's going to be an expository, that means, the word expository means to expose the text within its context, to reveal to you what it says. An expository preaching series from Hebrews chapter 11, what is known as the great faith chapter of the Bible. And so we're going to be looking at various characters enumerated throughout Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to be doing this series with our new elders. We're going to take turns teaching our way through this portion of God's Word. So next week when we come together, I'm going to kick it off by what is faith, and I will reveal the context of where this whole message comes from, this whole series, and, and we'll talk about what faith really is. By the way, it's impossible to please God without faith, and we'll talk about that. <clears throat> then, the next week, 
uh, Elder Jack Sopp is going to come up here, and he's going to share about the world and faith. You see, it is by faith that we believe that God created the world. And it just so happens as we talked about who's going to take what part to work on here, Jack said, ooh, I'll take that one. He says, uh, my, my major in college was physics, so I'll take that one. And I said, thank you, Lord. Please do take that one. So he's going to do that one in a couple of weeks. Then I will come in alongside. I'll do every other week, and, and then I'll invite one of these men to come alongside me. Uh, I'll do the worship of faith by talking about Cain and Abel, and then we'll do the walk of faith about Enoch and Steve Salvis. We'll do that one. Then the witness of faith I'll do concerning Noah, and then the wonder of faith Matt Duransky will do concerning Abraham, and so on and so forth. And that will take us pretty well up to the missions conference, which is just before Easter. So over the next number of months, these men are going to be taking the scriptures, they're going to be understanding it, ruminating on it, working it through, and then bringing it here for you to feed on so that your souls will be strengthened in the person of Jesus Christ. So we're going to be doing that to help you grow and, and deepen uh, your, your relationship with the Lord and hopefully bring some ease into your life. But I just want to share one more thing before we move on and kind of finish this up. Is, is something that I have personally found very edifying, something very, that has blessed me richly. And it's an app that I've told a few of you about, but it's called Read Scripture. Very simple, Read Scripture. And if you go to the app stores, whether you have an Android or an Apple, you can find it there. Let me just give you a quick overview of what it is, and let me let them do it because they do it better than I can. So here we go. We know that the Bible is long, and for many people, an intimidating book. But we believe that the entire thing is telling one unified story that leads us to Jesus. And so we want to help you learn how to read the Bible as you actually read through the entire thing for yourself. So the Read Scripture experience is, first of all, a reading plan that has broken up the story of the Bible into 16 chapters. Now we've rearranged the order of some of the books to help you see how this overall story works and how each book contributes to it. That's so we helpful. begin with creation of the world and the fall of humanity. Which which leads to God's covenant promises to Abraham and his family, the people of Israel. Then you come to God's rescue of Israel in the exodus from Egypt, which is followed by the covenant God makes with them at Mount Sinai. From there, God leads Israel through the wilderness and then into the promised land, where Israel grows into a nation and breaks the covenant. And so this flows into the rise and the fall of Israel's kingdom, which ends with Israel being exiled from the land. Now the story pauses right here, and you'll read through the poetry of the prophets who lived before Israel's exile, and also of the wisdom writings that reflect on this part of the story as well. After this, the story will pick up again, and you'll read the writings of the prophets who lived during the exile, then about the return of Israel from exile, and the writings of the prophets who lived after the exile. You'll conclude the Old Testament with the book of Chronicles. It's a summary of the story so far and how it all points forward to Jesus. And finally, we come to Jesus himself and his announcement of the kingdom of God, which is then followed by the letters of the apostles to the people of Jesus' kingdom. Finally, we'll conclude the entire biblical story with the revelation, a poetic vision of Jesus' return and the healing of all creation. Now each of these 16 chapters has a number of reading sessions it will take to complete it. Some of these are shorter, others are longer, and if you take just 15 to 20 minutes a day to complete each session, you'll be able to read through the entire Bible in less than a year. 
Now, even with this map, many books of the Bible are really confusing. It's very easy to get lost. And so when you start each new book of the Bible, you'll be able to watch a short video that lays out that book's structure and flow of thought, and it'll give you tips about what kinds of things to look for as you read. But also every book contributes to the overall story of the Bible as well. And so we'll have theme videos placed at strategic points in the reading plan to help you see how the part of the Bible you're reading at the moment fits into that larger story. Finally, each day's reading session includes a psalm because we believe that reading the Bible is not just an intellectual experience, but also spiritual. And so we invite you to take the year to develop the daily habit of praying through the psalms. And by the end of the year, you'll have prayed through the whole book of psalms two and a half times. Our hope is that the Read Scripture experience will help you read through the entire Bible with greater understanding than you ever have before. So you can see for yourself the beauty and the wisdom of this ancient story that points us to Jesus. So I highly want to recommend uh, the Read Scripture app. It's something that Bambi and I have been doing since the beginning of this year, just this past week we started. And uh, it affords us in our personal times of the Lord to glean beauty. And then when we come together, we talk about what we've read, and it's actually been a beautiful part of our relationship uh, this past week. So I just want to give that to you. I want to encourage you to be a part of the uh, series that we will be doing uh, on faith. So... Let me just get back here and tie a bow around this because I I want us to move forward. There's a lot of good stuff yet to happen. So David honors his shepherd as one who meets his needs, as one who gives him rest, as one who gives him guidance. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We honor Jesus by trusting him to give us guidance. And as Jesus' under-shepherds, it's our responsibility before the Lord, the chief shepherd, to help you find and walk in the pathway in which you can honor the Lord with your life. Notice, he leads us in the paths. It's plural. Each of us has a unique path that we walk in to ultimately honor the Lord for his namesake, for the namesake of his reputation or to bring honor to his name. So David honors his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, the one who meets my needs, the one who gives me rest, the one who gives me guidance, the one who gives me confidence. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They are what comfort me. And ultimately, we honor Jesus by trusting him to give us confidence. And it's as his under-shepherds, our responsibility before the Lord, the chief shepherd, is to walk with you through the dark places of life, helping you to see Jesus, helping you to see his presence and his plan all throughout this. And then lastly, he is the one who gives safety. For you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We honor Jesus by trusting him to give us safety. As under-shepherds, it's our responsibility before the Lord, the chief shepherd, to encourage you that no matter what, that no matter what, Jesus is sovereign and he's in control. When all seems out of control, and even when all seems lost, Jesus is the great shepherd of your soul and he is sovereign over your life and in control. And then David ends with these words. The Lord is my shepherd, Surely, goodness and mercy. 
Somebody has likened goodness and mercy as to God's two sheepdogs in our lives. When we get a little off course, goodness chases us back. When we get a little off course, mercy drives us back. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All that to say this, our role in your lives is merely to point you to the chief shepherd. Every part of your life, every step of your life, every bit of the walk of your life, every challenge of your life, every hardship of your life, we're here to say, and he's your shepherd, and he'll see you through. And we're here to help you realize that in your experience. So, that's who we are, that's what we do, that's why Christ has chosen to use us. Now, what we're going to do is something uh, we've never done here, that, since I've been here anyway, is we're actually going to mark these men out and pray for them as God's chosen leaders at this season of the life of Grace Church uh, for 